The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all, volume 114 of the NFC East Mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch this on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel or the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. He is Brandon Lee Gunn from BGN. I am Arjo Cho from BTB. BLG, happy to see you. How are you? And I forgot to say this before we started recording. We actually have a meeting in 45 minutes, so this is going to be a really tight episode. Um I thought sudden. it was in an hour and 45 minutes. <clears throat> um, I think I'm right, and I think you're wrong about that. I think you're right, and I think I'm wrong. So we're good. We can go for an hour and 45 minutes if we want. There we go. Uh, I did have something on my mind. It was about neighbor etiquette, RJ. How do you feel? So for mm. the people who did not see, who are not watching on YouTube, I gave RJ and the people here a wave at the camera, uh, which is prompting this question. How do you feel about neighbor etiquette as a whole but specifically like if you see your neighbor are you gonna wave to them especially if you're driving by what's what's the protocol there um so i think like you know i live in a neighborhood and we walk our dog a lot you know i walk the dog my wife pushes the baby in the the stroller um and so you know we're out a lot you know what i'm saying so like there is like a casual like hey you know how you doing like if you're really close, I think there is an actual like, how you doing? You know what I mean? But like, nobody really answers that question. It's just like, right. good. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do think if you're like in the front or the back of the house, like doing something, somebody drives by. If you, I think the the general rule is if you make eye contact, you got to give a slight wave. That's yeah. the general rule. I agree with that. It's funny. We always like wave to our neighbors or back home at my parents. Um, <clears throat> also, I'm not the biggest fan of the talk though like when, when like your neighbor comes right. over to talk especially like when you're just getting home it's like i got home from somewhere you don't know how long i was out like i could have been mm-hmm. out for like multiple hours and i need to like go back to my house and do stuff it's one thing if you want to be like hey how's the weather you know like like a one minute combo but there has to be right. a time limit it can't exceed like one minute i feel like there's a real cornering feeling to that because it's like they know where you live you know what i'm right. saying so like <laughs> yeah. it's like um so yeah, that's a good good question. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a review to get into if you're okay with that, if you'll sure. allow it. Um, I'll allow we, it. we we actually were delayed um, in starting this episode, and it would have only been 45 minutes if I had been right about the meeting, but I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. But so we were delayed in starting because of you, because you were finishing lunch. You had a pizza, um, which I think I is did. pretty on brand for you. Um, this review is on the blog of the boys side of things, and it comes to us actually from Joe's lunch. So Joe. Uh, is a big fan of lunch. That's his username here. Um, so it is titled NFC East Mixtape is great. Five-star review. Um, and for the record, if anybody wants to have the review read, we will read it. If you want to ask a question, you want to make a comment, whatever, go leave one on any one of the podcast networks and we'll totally get to it. Here we go. Um, NFC East Mixtape is great. Repeating the title. Like I'm like the t- that's also written in the review. It's not just the title. Um, also, shout out to RJ for powering through an episode while sick. I really was sick last week. Like, that was the beginning yeah. of it, and it, it lasted like four days. It was wild. But anyway, uh, one of my favorite folk remedies, boil water with garlic, lemon, skin mm. on, cayenne, and honey. You probably oh. won't like it, but neither does bacteria. Also, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, some Pennsylvania <laughs> so geography. Also, some Pennsylvania geography info. The Appalachian Mountains run diagonally southwest to northeast through PA. Philly and Harrisburg, home of the esteemed Mr. Parsons 
are on the east side of the range while Pittsburgh is on the west side. Mountains aren't very tall, but travel is difficult enough that there is pretty significant cultural slash accent difference. That's the review. Is that true in your experience? Um, I don't really know. I can't mm. really speak to Harrisburg mm. as much. I'm not from out that way. I will say, I was just thinking when you brought up Micah Parsons, is there a Micah Parsons curse? Because he wore the Tyrese Maxey jersey as a Sixers fan, and the Sixers lost. He wore the Phillies jersey, went to the Phillies game. They, they, he actually won the games they went to. But in the bigger picture, they didn't achieve the goal. Phillies lost the World Series. And then Micah Parsons was seen in Boston repping the right. Celtics, trying to distance himself um, very transparently so from the Sixers. And then the Celtics lost. So... And then the Cowboys don't win anything. So maybe there's some bad luck going on with Micah Parsons. Um, I will say I've learned, um, obviously know a great deal of information about Micah, but um, I've learned this offseason particularly, like everybody's calling Micah Drake with the like team hopping thing. It's, mm. you know, it's kind of difficult there, to diffuse that there argument. There's some of that but, there, though. Uh, yeah. Um, Especially if you look back at his old tweets where he's like, what? my Warriors and my <laughs> Lakers and my Heat well, or whatever. He, he did have a tw- – well, and then he, he got, obviously goes to a lot of Mavericks games. And um, so somebody was like, do you got to pick a team? And he did say a few weeks ago or something like that that he – in a joke. Like, I think he's, like, leaning into the meme at this point. But he um, he was like, next next season I'm picking one team. Um, so sure. it remains to be seen which side will, uh, will, will take his allegiance, Denver or Miami. Um, who knows? Jimmy Butler is a Dak Prescott fan, so maybe you know that's his in, but um, who knows? But I wanted to say on that, uh, what I've learned about Micah is he is like what, what I like about Micah a lot is he's just a big sports fan that happens to be an incredibly talented football player. Um, so he's like obsessed with collecting jerseys, like you said. He was, uh, did he have a Phillies jersey? I don't remember on the set that he pretty was, sure I, he did, I'm sure he did. Uh, right, that makes sense. Uh, so he has a Phillies jersey, he obviously has a Sixers jersey. He in the uh, the moment that you're talking about in Boston, he was like asking Jason Tatum uh, for a jersey. Uh, who Tatum, who's very famously uh, friends with Zeke Elliott, so he does and have the like these these um, you know little boys. It was a winner against Philadelphia, at least. Jason I mean, Tatum. like just look at how he's played in big moments, and he hasn't really. I mean, how did he play in Game Seven against? I think that was more. I said this at the time. That was more about like Embiid <laughs> and Harden not showing up than Tatum really. He had, like well, being, he had the most points ever in a Game Tatum Seven. Was good. Talking? If Tatum was good at all, the night series would not have gone to a Game Seven. Anyway, he was horrendous uh, in that series. So until in that, that video, in that video, Micah's like telling Tatum, he's like, "I got to get that." I forget how he said. It. He's like, "I got to get that zero jersey," and Tatum's like, "I got you." And then like ten minutes later, Micah has a Tatum jersey on. Um, and then I don't know if you saw this, but he was tweeting um, with Donovan Mitchell <laughs> and he was like, uh, losers here. he was like, oh, well, Donovan Mitchell's a Cowboys fan. So he's at least got that going well, here. But he fits. was like, he was, he said something like, oh, the one I have on my wall is your Utah one. I need that Cleveland jersey. Like Micah's clearly a jersey collector. That's what I've learned over the course of this offseason so far. I have a quick review to read from the Bleeding Green Nation podcast side of things. Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating review. This comes from username Mexican67. Five stars, title, you know what I mean. And then the body goes on to say, on most shows, RJ throws in the phrase, quote-unquote, you know what I mean. I'm often wondering exactly what he means. Can he elaborate more? P.S. Go Birds. Um, well, you know, P.S. Go Birds. Uh, or what was the name? Mexican 67? Mexican 67. You know what I mean. I, I, that's the whole, you know, you. it's a state of mind. You know what I mean. You know what I, I think, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast before. You know that, like people will say, it's like they always say, and then they say the phrase mm-hmm. like that. But it's like, if you do know what they always say, then you wouldn't need to say the phrase. It would be like, well, you know what they say. And then nothing. Yeah, um, I think we're reaching a point of like just like average human intelligence where all these things are like annoying us now. Um, So that's just where we're at. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the meat of today's show. We're going to review the series finale of Succession. Brandon, that's right. Um, Haven't watched it at all. I think HBO Max changing to Max is silly, as everyone else does. And that's all I've got. I saw a meme um, and then we can get into this. But um, so the app changed. And the meme was like somebody staring at their like screen and it was like, you will have to download the new app. And like the caption said, I would rather sit in silence for three hours than mm. download a new app and have to log in again. 
like the wow. process of logging in is so arduous. It really is. It, I, I hate I hate logging in. It's I worst. hate when you like the worst is when you have to type the information in with the the controller. You know, like you know what I'm saying. You got to like go do your whole email and then like some some you know digital keyboards have the like you know at Gmail at Hotmail at Yahoo. You know what I'm saying. Like you, they can fill that part yeah. in. Then you got to like do the shift or whatever. Find the symbols like and then if you made a typo like it's just it takes. You know, I just wanted to watch a show. It's really or like the uh, kind of some stuff we have a Vox, like the two-factor authentication stuff. Sometimes where I have to mm. like, so I enter my password, and then it's like, oh, now I have to go onto my phone, which you know might not be right nearby. It's charging somewhere, and then I have to like pull up the app and pull up the code and type it in quickly because they expire. You know, part of the safety measure. So yeah, we reached the we're just complaining about stuff portion of the podcast early. Uh, uh, PSA PSA for the two. Now? PSA for the two-factor people, because people use it for different things. Sure. Um, I learned this lesson the hard way. I think you remember. I got locked out of my Instagram and Facebook account because I got a new phone. And you like the Authenticator app is not something you like log into. Like The app yeah. is tied to your phone. So you yeah. have to be like, if you're going to get a new phone, be very careful to log into the Authenticator or whatever before you erase the old phone. That was my yeah. mistake. And it, took, I, it was we had to get some people involved. Shout out to uh, to the i won't say anonymous but the like the ever-present morgan morgan's the best i know someone who works at meta if you ever need help in the future so mm, mark is it mark uh yeah that is okay uh we are going to keep it nfc east mixtapey here um and this is the bullish episode that's what the title is i learned famously learned what that word meant while on an episode of the nfc east mixtape because i thought bullish meant the opposite of bullish um you taught me brandon thank you so much my very mm. good friend that bullish means when you are high on something. So the opposite of how you feel about the new Max app. You are in. You are a believer. You you see the truth, and the truth is a positive thing here. Basically, Micah Parsons is bullish on every team in the NBA, it feels like. Um, so that being said, we are going to discuss reasons why we are bullish on every team in the NFC East. And that means next week, Brandon, will be bearish. Yeah, which is the opposite, which is what we just But said. we're not going to talk about the Chicago Bears, even though I am bearish on the or Bears. Or my dog, Bear, who was very loud before we started recording. Thankfully yeah, I'm not bearish on Bear either. Good. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I'm not either. His Bear's birthday actually yeah. is um, Sunday. Happy so. birthday, pal. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Let him know so, I said that. Um, I think this is a, a good launching point. Um, recently, Bill Barnwell wrote at, um, at the Worldwide Leader uh, about... You know, he ranked, I guess is maybe the best way to put it, um, off seasons, right? Like the the best off seasons to the worst, like versus like based on like how they improved or whatever. It was an interesting exercise. Um, three teams in the NFC East were in the top four. Um, so seventy five seventy five percent of the top four was the NFC East, um, and it was not the seventy five percent that was a part of the divisional round last year on the NFC side of things. Um, this isn't the order we're going in, obviously, but just to kind of you know. I guess set the stage. Number one was the Washington Commanders, um, and you know Barnwell even mentioned that this is really about the change in ownership. Yeah, but right? it's true. I, right. I saw that at first, and I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, oh yeah, duh, that's true. Uh, the line that I think is notable um, here um, is all of this is about what happened. Oh no, no hang on, I I, I glossed past the line. Um, you can make a reasonable case that no team made a more significant move to aid their chances of becoming a Super Bowl contender this offseason than the commanders did by beginning to extricate themselves from their disastrous ownership group. It truly is the like example of like the bar is so low. You know what I'm saying? Like so that like the length in which they have cleared the bar is the biggest because their bar was lower than any team in the NFL. I don't think it's arguable. <laughs> it's just, right. it, like, again, they had with Dan Snyder, it's as simple as, as we said many times before with Dan Snyder, they had like 0% chance of ever right. having sustained success with any other owner. They have a non-zero chance. So that's automatically a big upgrade. Winning percentage uh, prior to Dan Snyder in basically the Super Bowl era, 58% with Dan Snyder, 43%. They had 16 playoff wins before Dan Snyder. They have two in the Dan Snyder era. No MVPs, no Super Bowl wins, obviously. Not even a single MVP vote. They had 98 MVP votes prior to Dan Snyder. Again, we say this all the time because I know we have some younger listeners. Like, there was a time where, like, Washington was, like, like this bad team. Like, bad, like the good bad. Like, like it was a difficult thing when your team had to play them. They were a force to be reckoned with, and that hasn't been the case for a long time, obviously. 
their ceiling with Dan Snyder was like a playoff win, maybe. In a, mm-hmm. in like a you, you could have a good year here and there, sure, but you were never going to be able to actually win a championship or, again, have any kind of sustained run of success. Um, number three on his list. Number two was the Miami Dolphins. That was the, the non-NFC East team. And I do think they are kind of like hiding a little bit in plain sight, even though they're like at every heat game. Uh, it feels like so we'll see a lot of them uh, in the coming weeks. But number three was the Cowboys. Um, and a big reason why was uh, the acquisitions of Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Um, I do want to discuss what he said when we get to the Cowboys, but just laying this out. And number four was the Eagles. The Giants were all the way down at 29, which is really insane. Uh, when you consider that I, I'm I'm less bearish on Daniel Jones than you and many other people, but that you would be 29th of 32 teams when you handed out a franchise quarterback contract really says something. I was surprised to see them that low. I don't know they've had like, you know, an amazing offseason, but I don't think they also had like a disastrous, although, you know, the, it, it all comes down to, I guess, whether you believe in Daniel Jones or not. Right. Um, but I think that's still a little bit harsh. Then let's start with the Eagles. Um, I don't know that we have a number, but like reasons we are bullish on them. Um, should I go first? I think that makes sense for me to go first. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know it's about a specific number, but yes, go ahead. Well, they're the reigning NFC champions. Uh, <laughs> they, they had a billion sacks last year. Um, if there is regression to the mean, they were so far, like yeah. they were on one end of the spectrum that regression to the mean would literally be the mean. You know what I'm saying? And so if you're at the mean, you're still, you know, that's pretty like solid stuff. And if you're at the mean and, you know, plus minus things go your way on average, I mean, it works out for you. Um, I mean, I, I have some in- reasons to be bearish too, again, just, you know, for next week, well, yeah, which we'll I think will be interesting. Um, but Jalen Hurts exists, obviously. Um, you know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, the draft, all, all the Georgia stuff, the Alabama stuff, whatever. Like it is still one of the most talented rosters in the NFL that while a teeny tiny purge did happen did not get completely and totally picked apart the way a lot of teams who play in the super bowl do um so i mean you're returning the nucleus of a very 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 good team that is really the the main and primary reason for me but it's a very solid one in my mind i wrote down five different things they're not all in depth but just like kind of five things that came to mind so i'll hit those real quick uh, I think, you know, best quarterback in the NFC. And if at the very worst, like second best quarterback in the NFC. And that applies to our, our first two teams here, obviously, which is a, a good thing. Like, and, and it the makes the rivalry fun. Yeah. And the drop off between the top two to the like third or anything else is significant. So at the very least, very least, one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFC. And then, you know, one of the top whatever in the NFL as a whole. Uh, that's number one. Number two, still very strong in the trenches. They lost Javon Hargrave, but I mean, you still, you added Jalen Carter, you added Nolan Smith, and you still have Hassan Reddick, and you still have Brandon Graham, like you st- and Fletcher Cox returned. I don't, I'm not like crazy about that, but there's worse options to have. Jason um, Kelsey didn't retire. Jason Kelsey didn't retire. Um, they lost Isaac Sumalo, but Cam Jurgens is coming off the bench. They drafted Tyler Steen. Um, they have options there. It's not like they're hopeless there. And even if that spot isn't like amazing, you'll still like sign up for the rest of the offensive line uh, very much. So, so they're still strong in the trenches. That's number two, number three might actually have a defensive coordinator who like can have a prayer against a good quarterback yet remains to be seen. But Jonathan Gannon, who is certainly not like aids well thus far in Arizona is gone. So I like that. Number four, I think the ceiling for running back is better. Miles Sanders had a good year last year, but I think, many would be able to argue that penny and swift the ceiling of those players while they might both not hit um and it's possible none of them hit the ceiling i think has been raised at running back and lastly you know this is a lot to react to i have they actually have the easiest schedule in the nfc east according to projected win totals because they're not Um, playing themselves like that's that's the difference between them 13th and the other team in the nfc east Whereas the Cowboys are 18th, the Giants are 19th, and Washington is all the way down. Even though they had a, a quote-unquote last-place schedule, Washington actually has the hardest schedule at 24th. Um, certainly, the Eagles being good is factoring in there. But still, um, I just well, think... Well, the, the other teams being good for Washington as well. Like, they have to... Like, the sure. six games are against three teams in the divisional round. Yes, but I do want to point out, like, because there's just so much that was said about, oh, the Eagles have the toughest schedule in the NFL by strength of schedule. Oh. I, I've said it consistently, like, strength of schedule is dumb. Like, give me projected win total over that. I don't think it's dumb. 
I mean, I think it's, but it shouldn't be like your driving thing. You know what I'm it's saying? It's less like, meaningful I, than projected win total. Absolutely, it is. I, but I think that they they both have value. But if you're marrying the two to come sure. up with some sort of like hybrid, that's that's the overall goal. Because you can't just dismiss like who they who every team yeah. was last year. Like it has some value. But I'm not saying um, it's an easy schedule. I just don't think it's like this impossible schedule that you would maybe some are making it out to be because of the hardest strength of schedule thing. No, but I mean, again, I like the statement like, oh, well, the commanders have the hardest schedule. Again, it's like really obvious why, like, because every team in their division was in the playoffs and, you know, one double. Well, how many games did the Giants win? Ten, right? Last year. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, that makes I think sense. It was they, the tie. Oh, you had because they had the tie. Nine, against the commanders. One. Um, I think all that is well said. Um, I mean, the quarterback thing is huge. The, the you didn't mention it, but like on on my list was they didn't get destroyed at corner. Like, I feel like that's been. And you correct me if I'm wrong, like as it relates to the Cowboys, like for the last, I don't know, like call it like seven, eight years. It's it's been this matter of like, how is Amari Cooper, if you're an Eagles fan, like how is Amari Cooper beating us? How is CeeDee Lamb beating us? Like we we just do not have the corners to like cover these dudes. And so like if there had been this exodus at that position, I do think there could have been some like regression to those times. Um, and I do think that while there might be some regression for Bradbury and or Darius Slay, like you still have two at the worst, very solid cornerbacks to work with and, and kind of patrol your defense. Um, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson departure, whatever, it's a safety. You kind of figure that out. I think one of the biggest things, like one of the biggest wins for the Eagles in the offseason is the rugby play was not outlawed. Like that, that's that's like a big deal um, sure. and, and something that, that really kind of helps the Eagles mm. Oh, like I'm not saying it, it, it takes them from like it adds yeah. a win to their. I still overall. think they would have been really good at sneaks, even if they can't push, because their offensive line is very good. And but so they can't. Like you know, what I'm saying like so even it like it, it would have hindered them. Call it one percent or a fraction sure. of a percent, but zero percent is less than that. That's my point. Um. So and they have an aggressive mindset in a lot of ways, like in a coaching way, in a roster management way. Um. So yeah, I mean, Best like coach in the division is that fair to say? No, why? <laughs> like, I, I, Who's I don't the best think coach in the division. I I mean, I would say you it's Mike say McCarthy. One. I would say oh it's Mike gosh. McCarthy. Okay. Nick Sirianni has been a head coach for three seasons, right? And he's been to a Super Bowl, right? Like, I'm not saying he's bad, but like, we discount who Mike McCarthy is for a lot of reasons. Like, you know, it's ridiculous to me, like that you would say that Nick Sirianni is is better than him. At this I mean, point. he surpassed but, their projected win total in both of his first seasons. Okay, he's overachieved. <laughs> They have also played, uh, had the benefit, like the Cowboys have, of playing the Commanders and the Giants that were rebuilding. That's a fair thing to say. Okay. And also the whole division, McCarthy. the whole division, he's lost more to McCarthy than he's won. Nick Sirianni has. So, I mean, that doesn't matter either. So, head-to-head matchups favor McCarthy between the two of them. But anyway, um, I think that I agree with Wait, you. What, this. like two to one? Well, the 2020 was the first. No, not 2020, but 2021 was a sweep. We're not counting the last game in week 18. That's not a, a real game. They were, okay. they were well, then it's still two to one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, but so, it's okay. One game. Okay. Well, it's more like he's won more head to head. And okay. it's like, and he's never lost to Nick Sirianni at home, Mike McCarthy. So you're so, putting Sirianni second behind McCarthy? Yeah, I mean, and I'm using I'm using McCarthy's like Green Bay era and tenure to evaluate who Mm -hmm. he is as a coach the same way other people do with other coaches, like the same way Broncos fans do with Sean Payton. Like if if Sean Payton was the coach of the Cowboys, I think like this is a separate take, but like I think Sean Payton won by not getting the Cowboys job because Sean Payton still gets the like hype without the like teardown that comes from working for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? And he doesn't Uh, have to not uh, advance in the second round. Anyway, um, but yeah, I would go McCarthy, Sirianni, Dable. Well, no, uh, yeah, Rivera. Rivera's just been so bad. Like it's 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 hard to defend anything. I felt that way for a long time, though. So I'm a little bit biased against Rivera, but I will fully admit that. But this is about the Eagles. Um, I agree that the ceiling with DeAndre, the floor rather, is higher um, in in the running back room. Uh, third year, Devontae Smith. It's higher. I said the floor is lower. I think the floor is higher. I think the mm. ceiling is maybe the same you know what i mean mm. but i think the floor is higher um i think Devonte smith you got third third year wide receiver that's a, a common rule of thumb like breakout year coming like maybe this is the year where Devonte becomes like the dude and aj's just like an awesome second dude you know what i mean um so yeah i mean those are there are a lot of reasons to believe um hassan reddick in another year um i mean yeah the the in, infusion of draft talent like I think 
Javon Hargrave being gone isn't like a good thing. Like obviously, like you'd rather have him than not have him. But like if it opens the door for possibilities and development of other players, like that is a good thing. So um, even the bad things weren't like terrible for this team. Is I guess the point. Yeah, I don't think they uh, lost anyone where they don't have some kind of plan behind them. It's not just like, mm-hmm. well, what do we do here? And there are teams like that and situations like that that they're able to get again, like Jalen Carter or have N'Kobe Dean in-house. So he's ready to take over from one of the linebacker spots. You know, those guys are projections. I don't know that they're going to be amazing, but at least you have like something that you can feel optimistic about as opposed to like, again, there are teams with situ- te- very tenuous situations where you're trying to like string things together with duct tape and glue. Um, do we have any other bear or bullish reasons? This, this is still a difficult subject for me. Or do we want to move on? We can move on. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I would like you to go first. I went first for the Eagles. So actually, the yeah. Eagles I think first. it's the easiest one is uh, Dak interception regression. He was at a 1.7 interception percentage in the first six, uh, six seasons of his career. And he was at 3.8 last year. So uh, it's a very more than double of what he was in the past. And obviously, he'll be healthier in terms of not his hand not being injured. So I definitely think, I mean, that number is just going to come down. Um, so that alone is a really big factor. When it comes down, because like that's just the way like math works, right? Like we're talking like, you know, regression to the mean, like regression to the mean happens in positive ways. Um, but when that number comes down, there will be takes like, like, you know, this like late October, mid November, like what is Dak doing differently? And it's like, sometimes there are just outliers. Nothing. Like it's, Yeah, like it's just life. It's just gravity. Um, I agree with you. Um, I, I think, we, you know, the low hanging fruit I thought was the Gilmore and Brandon Cooks acquisitions. I have like number two on my list. I mean, if you compare the aggression of roster building relative to last year, last year, we killed the Cowboys, maybe you and I, but like we, the collective for three specific things to remember what they were over the off season. Uh, what offensive tackle tyrant, just counting on Tyron, no real backup plan other than like Josh ball, maybe. You've really you've you've gotten. I'll give you credit for that one. That's one. Uh, and then uh, Amari, obviously. Right. <laughs> and two. then uh, backup quarterback. No, uh, the third was the way the Randy Gregory thing happened um, because there oh, was the okay. like clause and the contract. Sure. So um, the trading away of Amari. Um, it wasn't just the tyrant thing. Like the reason I gave you credit though uh, was because it was about the tackle position. But mm-hmm. they they cut Lyle Collins, and and they seemingly had no real yep. plan. Now that it worked out, and Tyler Smith was amazing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I mean, that looked really suspect on paper, and it blew up in their face at the final week of training camp, or final week of the preseason before the regular yep. season started, or it was two weeks before, whatever. Uh, when Tyron got hurt, and they were really up a creek. Um, and then, yeah, the Randy Gregory thing. And, you know, they drafted like their first three picks in the draft were Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, Jalen Tolbert, which directly replaced their tackle need, their pass rusher need and their wide receiver need. But they didn't draft for need um, and it worked out. But again, those things were really dumb. So this is the exact opposite of that. Right. Like, OK, we need help at corner. Let's trade for Stefan Gilmore. Let's add that veteran. You know, we're not super comfortable with where we are at a wide receiver, which we learned not only throughout the season, but with the T.Y. Hilton and Odell stuff, obviously, late in the year. So we're going to trade for Brandon Cooks like they have addressed pre holes, you know, what I'm saying, which is a, a great breath of fresh air. Um, it's something they haven't done in a very long time. One of our writers, Danny Phantom, um, he he verified this as best as he could. So I don't know if this is 100 percent true. Uh, but I believe this is the first time ever that the Cowboys are starting a season with three receivers who have eclipsed a thousand yards in their career. So you got CD, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup. Not that you get a trophy for that, but my point is like they've they've you know they've bought established things instead of like buying things that are unknown and hoping for the best. They have hedged their bet, which has been nice to see. Um, so that's my point on Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I put the <clears throat> address big positions of weakness, and then I kind of lumped in Mozzie Smith in there too because that was obviously. Mm-hmm a which i do think <clears throat> which is kind of my criticism or concern or worry about the pick is that i wonder how much it was just an immediate short-term kind of thing with the idea you're just going to fix the run defense with him and you know i think that's a lot of pressure on one player and a rookie at, alone at that not to say you can't help but just like you know i don't know that it's a solution just that one guy so um but still uh, there was a vision in mind and i think between cooks gilmore and mossy smith those guys have the potential to be difference makers for the Cowboys. 
Um, I would also add reasons to be, or like to the reasons to be bullish list. I have two. Um, Dan Quinn did not leave, right? Like, like we were like, oh man, like definitely happening. It didn't happen last year. It's absolutely going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So Dan Quinn did not leave. And along those same lines, um, now Barnwell was not a fan of this in the write-up that we mentioned, but a lot of Cowboys fans are. They moved on from Kellen Moore. So that, that you know, does have a division um, among Cowboys fans. Like some people, I mean, you know how that is. Like, I don't know that there's like an Eagles fan standing for Jonathan Gannon, but I'm sure before, no. at least, at, well, I'm sure before the Super Bowl, at least, there were some people who, maybe a small sector who were like, he's better than we think. And then obviously he lost everyone then. Mm. But, um, but you know how that can be, right? Like some people are like, he stinks. Some people are like, no, he's really great. Like whatever, whatever, whatever. So depending on who you ask, that's another reason. Yeah, I'll get to Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy in the bearish Ooh. episode for now. We're doing a lot I, of teasing. Well, that's next week's episode. For this week's episode, I have Eagles take a step back. Uh, you know, this is uh, the Cowboys section, so I think I can be bearish on the Eagles a little bit in oh, this section. Oh, interesting baking in. Okay. Well, with the context that it's it's like said every episode, no repeat winner since 2004. Right. So that's obviously, it's not even just about the Eagles. It's about the that, division. That lends as a whole. to the Cowboys' advantage, you're saying. Yeah, right. it's just, it's like, it's absolutely relevant <laughs> because there's just, it's not something you can, I know it's like a trivia thing and not necessarily uh, predictive, but. It's just true, though. It's like, how could you possibly go into the season being like, yes, the Eagles are definitely going to win the division? No, you can't say that. You can't just say they're definitely going to do it. Again, it's really hard to do. Um, I think so. This is Super Bowl 58, right, this year? Yep. Um, so, like, it's been, we're going on 19 years, right? If the Eagles don't win the division in this, this year, in 2023, it will be 19 years in a row that a singular team has not repeated as an NFC East champion, right? Um, because the last time was 2004, so it was 19 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and so I guess it's been 19 years, but whatever. Um, I don't want to get into the, like, Eagles oh, no, two, two years. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, but my point is, like, it's not just, like, a five-year sample size. Like, we're talking yeah. literally yep. a third. Like, I'm, I'm rounding here, but, like, a third of NFL Super Bowl era history here. Like, that is basically the 21st century. Like, I, I realize I'm, I'm cutting a little bit off, but, like, it is an extraordinary amount of time. It's, it's not just, like, a drop in the bucket. It's also, like, indicative of volatility in the NFL. That's how the NFL right. is. They're just, like, you have good years, you have bad years. Sometimes they're really hard to predict. It's not as simple as you just win the division year in and year out, unless you're, like, the Chiefs. Um, but, again, that's not the norm. That is more so the exception um i agree like there's the unicorn that comes along every once in a the patriots are like the unicorn of unicorns the chiefs are like a baby unicorn at this point but um i agree um other reason i would add uh to be bullish michael gallup um had the torn acl season last year there's many people who say again it depends on like what you want to believe a lot of you know medical experts and injury experts say like it takes you a full year you know what i mean to recover and he was very clearly not himself i don't think that's like you know up for debate last year um so there would be hope that there would be regression in that sense the re you know, regression to who he used to be prior to the injury which occurred um i don't know if you recall in january of 2022 um so you've got that working out in your favor um and i you know i, I don't like you know being mean like this um you have less of a problem with it than i do but zeke is gone right like zeke hindered the offense to a large degree that's not to say he didn't have his value didn't have his place didn't have his worth but he did hinder the offense in a lot of ways. And so kind of like if you're somebody who believes Kellen Moore's departure is a good thing for the offense, Zeke's departure is a good thing in a number of different ways as well. Side point here, Tangent, on the, the mention of the Chiefs and winning the division, and maybe this is something you can bring up to our good friend Pete Sweeney in the future. I don't think it gets talked about enough how much of an advantage it is that they had two relocations between uh, the Chargers and the Raiders. Like, that's a big deal because, like, you're oh, just within, you're moving within yeah, this away. era. Yeah. yeah. You're moving away from like these passionate, or at least more so relative to the new place, passionate fan bases. So you're like, you're weakening the crowds at two different road stadiums. Like, that's kind of, that's a really big advantage, especially when the Chargers have like no fan base at all. Like, that's kind of a really nice thing to have, I have to say. Um, I, I reached a point where I like had a little bit of a bitterness towards the Chiefs, like I think everybody did, and you have one now for this obvious has nothing reasons. to do with the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I no but like, like I'm saying, like Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Like, you you remember you remember you and I and stats talking about this. Like we all had a little bit of like Chiefs attrition. You know, again prior to the Super Bowl, and then I do think that they kind of broke through all that. But like 
So I would have argued this a lot back then, but like I do, there is some merit to that. I, I really think it really also puts in perspective. Big advantage. Right. Well, it also puts in perspective how pathetic the Broncos have been. That like sure. they haven't been able to like remotely capitalize on that. Right. Um, but I, I actually brought this up to Pete. He didn't know Andy Reid has won. I don't know if you heard this. He's won as many, like they've won as many division titles in the Andy Reid era as they had all time before he yeah. arrived. That's insane. But to your point, that's also capitalizing on the weakness around you. Yeah, I'm not trying to take credit away from the Chiefs. I'm just saying that's a nice like little thing to have in your back pocket as a bonus. Like that certainly helps, uh, and that goes towards like the recipe for success there. Right. Uh, so there you go. Um, Michael Gallup coming back. Micah Parsons in year three. The team having a again. You, you can you can go bullish and bearish on certain subjects. Um, I think which we'll find out next week, obviously. Um, but and the you know. Whatever Dan Quinn or Mike are going to say publicly or not, the like seemingly full time commitment to Micah Parsons as a pass rusher is a good thing. I would also add they did not lose Leighton Vanderesh and Donovan Wilson, kind of like we talked about Darius Slay and James Bradbury for the Eagles. Like th- those were departures we were really worried about on the Cowboys side of things. And the fact, like th- that's why, like when that happened in free agency, we were almost all kind of like we're good. And then they traded for Stephon Gilmore, and it was like holy crap. And then they traded for Brandon Cooks, and it was like this is Nirvana. Um, so retaining both Van Der Esch and Donovan Wilson was a big thing. That's all I had. Um, well, then let's just let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. While we were gone, Brandon, you gave me um, some some positive words that I have needed. Do you remember why? Positive words that you needed. I think I said that phrase that I mentioned earlier. You know what they always say? Uh, well, I'm actually really nervous because why? Um, I don't know if I told you this. Um, the weekend of the draft, the Friday night after, like after Friday night of the draft, we had this massive rainstorm here. And I don't need to get into the specifics, but the storm damaged part of my pit boss, my smoker, my pellet girl. And so I had to get a part replaced. And mm. it has been a big thing. They've been really great, the customer service team, but like it got lost and they had to send a second one. So it's supposed to arrive actually, like right after I get done recording with you. And there's some installation involved. And they did send me the instructions. But and I'm so because it's been since the draft. Like I'm I'm so like anxious for food off of it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm really nervous that I'm not going to be able to install it properly. And I told you that during the break. And you said, you got it, man. I believe in you. I love that you. Sounds Those like are your me. exact words. That sounds exactly <laughs> like how I talk. So I, I think the listeners believe it, too. The New York good once again at football Giants. One of us has got to go first on the Giants. One of us has got to go first on the Commanders. Because I'm a good friend, I'll let you pick which one you want. Well, I went first last time. So why don't you go first this time? Again, there's some, you know, glass half full, glass half empty perspective here, but they kept Daniel Jones. And I do think that that is a reason to be bullish because had he left, what would they have done? I'm I'm actually seriously asking you that. Like what what would they have, Jimmy Garoppolo would have been the plan with his like weird contract, you know what I mean? That was the talk of the weekend. You know what I mean? Like what what would have been the, like, uh, like what could have made a play for Lamar, but not like a guarantee. That wouldn't have happened in all likelihood. You know what I mean? Like, would they have like traded for Russell Wilson? You know what I mean? Like what would, would, would it have been Derek Carr? You know what I mean? Like none of those things, like plus the cost involved would have been worth it in my mind. 
So they were able to keep Daniel Jones. They were able to, or they did not pay Saquon. That's a big positive for me as far as like being bullish on them overall. They added weapons. They traded for Darren Waller. They drafted Jalen Hyatt. They signed Paris Campbell. Like they're, they have a fully competent, like when they huddle up, it's a, it's a you know, you know, group of competent NFL players. I cannot say that that has been the case for a long time. Um, and they will have stronger development from some of their significant contributors. You've mentioned Evan Neal a bunch of times. Kayvon Thibodeau, who we've talked about in different ways, like from just a football perspective, will be an absolutely better player next season. I, I was a big fan of the Bobby Okariki signing. I know that you were not. But still, I mean, like, and they have not made any panic moves. Like, Adoree Jackson kind of wants out. They're like, okay, dude, well, you can play one final season with us, and then we'll move on. Like, they're becoming a shrewd football operation, which is a good thing to see. I put the I put three different things. Number one is Daniel Jones has his best supporting situation <clears throat> ever, right? It has to be. All right? You sick yeah. like I was? Sorry. No, frog, uh, a froggy throat, if you will. Uh, they added Darren Waller. I like Jalen Hyatt a lot as – a dynamic weapon, excuse me. People Here, people thought he'd be just to buy you some time to clear your throat. People thought Jalen Hyatt would be the like number one receiver draft. Like if, if you had asked somebody in the middle of November, you know what I mean? Like they would have been like I remember like people would talk like, Oh, maybe maybe Jalen Hyatt will make it to the Capitals. They're like, There's no way. You know what right. I mean? And I know a lot of things happen, but still, like that player is still there. Yeah. And again, uh, I don't know about Jalen Hyatt uh volume wide receiver, but I do absolutely believe in Jalen Hyatt, like Deshaun Jackson mm -hmm. element where he's just like this problematic deep threat that everyone has to deal with. And whether that's him actually making big plays or opening things up underneath for the Giants, which they had a lot of success underneath with Daniel Jones and kind of limiting the turnovers like we talked about. Yeah, I definitely think this is the best supporting cast. You'd already touched on it with Evan Neal, who we talked about last week in our, um, what was that, step? Uh, I don't remember. I blacked out because I was Step sick. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's that. And uh, I also think that Debel has a case for a second best head coach in the division. Obviously, we disagree oh on that, God. but he's well, he's all right. better than Nick Sirianni is. The you case, can disagree right. about that, but you can't disagree like he had a good season last year. He seems like he's a good coach. Seems like he knows what he's doing. And the coaching staff continuity they didn't really lose anyone when there was, you know, talk that they could lose Wink Martindale. He interviewed for at least one job. Uh, Mike Kafka interviewed for multiple jobs. And I point to the Eagles from last year with this. The Eagles didn't lose like any other coaching. They didn't even touch their coaching staff, basically going from 21 to 22, 2022. That doesn't mean the Giants are going to have the same level of success. But I do, do think there can be uh, value in continuity. So they have that going for them. And the last thing I wrote down is what you already touched on as well with Thibodeau. I think he could be like, you know, one of these second year players who could make a big jump to your coaching point. Um, if we look at the three playoff teams, which again, excludes the commanders, obviously, they're the only one who didn't see any coaching change. Now, granted, the Cowboys change was uh, purposeful, right? And moving on from Kellen Moore and the Eagles was opportunity based based on the head coaching opportunities for um, for Shane Stack and the Jonathan Gannon. But, you know, they didn't lose. I mean, and that's sometimes mm -hmm. the weird it's almost like I mean, it's like when, when teams tank, right? It's like if you can't win the Super Bowl, you want to you know, you want the better opportunities. You wanted the higher draft pick, whatever. So like if, if you, you know, if you can't win the Super Bowl, you want your coordinators to return in this weird hypothetical. But um, that worked out for them. I think the Dable thing is also like a reason to be bullish on them. Like year two, like, like if that was year one, like what, what happens when he has a full year? Like, and he doesn't, you know, they don't have all this going on. And I think that applies to the team as a whole, the culture, et cetera, et cetera. But also specifically to Daniel Jones. I, again, I'm not, you know, saying, oh man, what's his, what are his MVP odds of, you know, over at DraftKings? But like, he, he is a, like, with the Brian Dable bump, like, he is a stable quarterback. He's like, you know, when you play a video game and you get, um, like armor or something like that and it like takes your defense up from like, like a level five to like level million. Like, that's what Brian Dable is for Daniel Jones. Like, without him, his defense is like level, like, which is ironic, is level five, but like with it, it's level one million. So I think that's a good thing. Um, and again, I mean, they have not, what is the stupid thing they've done? I know some people would say paying Daniel Jones, but like they didn't br bring Odell in. They didn't, you know, pay Saquon. Like they have graduated from those sorts of things. I mean, think about it. Like they have become like, so Joe Shane deserves a lot of credit too here. And I know, you know, and agree with that, but it's not just Brian Dable. I think there could be something to the Giants believing in themselves, actually, too. You know, they're not coming into the season like, oh, or the Giants were, the, we're literally like, last season, as we talked about many times too. Them and the Jets entered the league as the like the two worst teams in the league since 2017. So you kind of have that stench, and there has to be some kind of human 
um psychology stuff going on there where like we lose a lot that's what we do and it's it stinks but like this is kind of who we are but now they actually had a season like okay we made some progress we actually believe we can win some of these games and that doesn't like supersede everything you have to be talented you can't just have belief but i think belief is part of the equation and i think they might have more of that now than they ever had so i think again if you're looking for optimistic cases is that they come into the season be feeling like hey we can make some noise it's not about like hey is this gonna work are we still losers it's like no we're like a decent team I agree with your human psychology point also from the perspective of like, you know, obviously you're coming off of not just a playoff season, but a playoff win, you know, I mean like all those mm -hmm. things help and, and boost your, you know, kind of vibe. Um, but beyond that, like, remember when they were seven and three, we were like, it's it, that's it. It's over. Like, they're, you know, they're about to yeah. fall apart. Like that, that exactly. did not happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you were, you have, it's not just a situation like, where it could have because they got screwed with the what the commanders had like that buy coming off mm -hmm, the commanders they, played them in twice that had that all that extra time to prepare and at FedEx field too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's not just a matter of like, we believe we're not that anymore. It's like, no, we literally proved that we're yeah, not that anymore. And right. so it's like, I, I think of, of like, I don't know, like things all the time. It's like, um, like when you have like your first year at a job, like everything is like your first time, whatever. So like, it's actually like your second time where you're like, oh, well, it's no longer my first. Like, it's no longer like my first this, my first that, whatever. So like they're past all the firsts. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a good and a liberating thing for them. And that they're past all the firsts with all these accomplishments under them already, I think is really great. And I think a, a big point, you know, for them in their favor is a bit of a bullish point, you know, on the Cowboys. But your point about the Eagles, right? Like there's regression maybe coming for the Eagles, the 20 year thing, whatever. And for mm -hmm. the Cowboys, it's like, well, they can't have a billion takeaways another year in a row right like there, if regression comes for the top two teams in the division like the door is well swung open for the yeah. giants to win it like i predicted a year ago when we did our four-way show and everybody but laughed at me none of none of y'all believed the way i did and y'all you, you said you regretted smart. that after the fact i never said that and you There's totally no did evidence. get swept up in the moment when we were on the podcast and you also admitted that to that but i do think to what you're talking about for real uh it's confidence like confidence is a real thing they have earned the right to have some confidence and it might serve them not at all. Like again, it's not. There's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but it could be meaningful. I do. I do think it could be of value. And I, I think the Jets are like. I know we're not talking about the AFC East, but like, I think they're a good team, and I think they'll be better, obviously, this year. But like, the the two New York teams or the New York title teams, um, they have two different types of confidence to me. Like, like you said it. Like the Giants' confidence is completely earned. You know, what I'm saying the Jets' confidence is completely and totally just like hope. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. you don't have the career accomplishments of Aaron Rodgers. Like, just because he wears your uniform now and is like on your team, like, like they you're not the same as the Giants that the Jets aren't. Like, you have to prove that first, and then you know, Brandon and RJ will respect you at least. So all right, let's thoughts. move on to the commanders if you're done. The Giants. Set the table. Set the table. You can do this. I believe in you. I mean, obviously, we are like Snyder being gone, we already covered that. So I'm not gonna say that. That's it's very obvious. I can say that really quickly um <clears throat> unlike every other nfc east team i wrote here i have four things for the commanders number one is unlike every other nfc east team not facing the pressure of expectation because there's a lot mm. of pressure on the other teams the eagles coming off the super bowl cowboys like having to get over the hump and being right there and kind of maybe being perceived as the favorites because of the lack of repeat winner and then the giants having gone from being bad to being good if there's any kind of struggle it's gonna be like, oh no same old giants so with the commanders they're kind of just I mean, that's kind of the luxury of people thinking you're bad is that there aren't a lot of expectations. So you kind of aren't facing that. Obviously, Rivera is facing pressure in terms of being a lame duck coach or whatever, or kind of on it closer to his way out. But as a whole, like if the commanders are bad, it's not going to be people like people are shocked. So I think there is something to that in terms of playing loose and feeling like, hey, no one gave us a shot. We can sneak up on people, whereas other teams in this division, I think, have more of a target on them. And it's like, oh, we have to bring our A game because we're playing the, these teams that made the playoffs last year where it's like, oh, the commanders, like we can take them for granted. That'll be an easy game. So I do think they have that in their favor. I think that's really fair to say um, they're kind of like the youngest sibling um in a family where everybody has struggled right and so it's kind of like well you know whatever <laughs> like you know what i mean the the bar is low like nobody can really do anything you know whatever like just just kind of hang on um i think is, is maybe the best way to put it they're um, gonna be underestimated right and i mean 
the reg- I mean, like the same point you made about the Cowboys, about the Giants. I mean, uh, that we brought up, um, or the same point you made when we talked about the Cowboys, and then I brought up when we talked about the Giants. It's true here, right? The attrition to the entire division. Like, you're not going to be in a division that has three playoff teams again, in all likelihood, right? Like, especially mm-hmm. this one, right? That you know we talked about the the 2004 thing. Um, I my biggest one, like outside of the Snyder thing, is this was a very good football team, like in like relative to context. Like, do you remember what their highest, like, let's say highest, but like um the like highest point was like when we were talking about them like the whole division potentially making it what their record was uh no they were seven and five they were seven and five and then the tie with the giants happened so they fell to seven five and one and then the bye week and then they lost to the giants and then they lost to the niners because the niners didn't fall apart with brock purdy like we thought they might but like you were seven and five like and you were seven and five with like chaos you know what i mean like and seven and five when carson wentz started part of your season so like Mm -hmm. similar to like other things carson wentz is gone like you have finally ridded yourself from the the bad you know vibe or decision Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it like i don't know that i believe in jacoby Brissett or sam howell but like you know the vibe the vibe shift from wentz to Brissett is huge that is a that's a great point for the locker room that is massive yeah, I mean, specifically, like, like no disrespect to Sam Howe, but, like, Jacoby Brissett's one of the, like, most loved dudes yeah. in the entire NFL. And Great so teammate. I agree. Um, the Carson thing kind of felt like the last, and maybe it was, like, appropriate, like, Snyder football thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, the, the last, like, like, Albert Hainsworth big decision. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, like, you're free of those. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what, what is the contract that they have right now that we're, like, that's so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, find it. Like, I would challenge you. You know what I mean? They they really don't have one. I mean, it's, you know, and um, who was it? Drawn Payne who they tagged, right? Not Jonathan Allen. Yeah. Um, so they tagged and they got the deal done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so you got the deal done despite all of that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have these weird kind of things hanging out. Terry McLaurin is under contract. Like, you have, you know, the Chase Young thing didn't work out. But you know what? They acknowledged that, right? Like, they, they didn't hold on. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. They're, they're no longer living in fantasy land as a football team. Like, you know, that's one part of who this organization is, obviously. So, like, all these things point positively for me. Like, and I don't believe in the head coach, but if you want to, you know, take this as a positive thing, like, it's maybe his last year, right? Like, so, like, you're maybe almost done with that part of the ride. And I, I bet you, Commander Sands listening to this are like, I can't believe you already haven't mentioned this, which is probably the number one biggest reason for optimism, is Eric Bieniemy. Uh Maybe right. he is really as good as advertised. I kind of have questions because of how no one has, like, ultimately kind of wanted him. And that at the time of the Commanders hiring him, I said, like, I think this isn't, like, necessarily the best signal. Like, he's ending up here, of all places. I don't, like, that. know that's the best development for Eric Bieniemy's actual stock and outlook. Um, but there's a chance that everyone is right and he does deserve a head coaching job and maybe gets it in Washington. We'll see, depending on how things go, but maybe he is the real deal. I think it's fair to say that the offense wasn't really going places with Scott Turner. So, um, you know, this could be, this has the potential to be a big upgrade. I don't know that same how could be anything, but I'll put a, a non-zero chance that he could be something. I mean, he was like a legitimate prospect. Obviously he like, didn't finish strong at North Carolina, but at one time he was like, it's not just like uh, no, this guy out of at, nowhere. At one point, people thought he'd be a first round pick in 2022, right. and so that you, obviously didn't happen. Like, there has to, there, there might be something to work with there. I think that's fair to say. I wouldn't again bank on that, but like, it's not like uh, you're drafting, you know, like the Eagles drafted Clayton Thorson or you know, like, or Will Green, you know, like these like kind of just yeah, it's whatever. That guy's not clearly not going to be anything. Uh, so uh, I thought Sam Howell was a great value when they drafted him. I thought they got him lower than i thought he would have gone so uh i definitely think that's a fair point and the last thing i'll say here defense is talented if emmanuel forbes works out which i think is a big if consider he's 166 pounds it's a good secondary and i think it's hard to say like if chase young works out because of i don't know just that the signal does not seem good on him coming off an injury and everything but i guess there's a path where he is healthy and he looks great so uh, the point being larger point being they still have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball uh and for as much as i think jack del rio uh has there's some uh big question marks there uh he's certainly at at the very least been able to produce good defenses i actually have a question because i don't know that i can think of an example can you do you know or can you name a time where a first round player did not have their fifth year option picked up and then played through their rookie contract, obviously, and then signed with a different team, and the original team received a compensatory pick. Can you think of an example of that? 
I think that's going to happen with Andre Dillard. You get, what I'm you get the you get the like prompt I'm describing yeah, about right? not like, likely, but it, I think that is going to happen. With so Dillard, well, the fact that it's Andre question. Dillard um, makes what I'm about to say sound jaded, but it's not. I don't think that should be allowed. Like if you decide if you decline the fifth year option, you're saying we don't, you know, we're good. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't believe in a player. So like you know if you you know like and if if you re-sign the player though to like because some players like this happened with Leighton Vanderish, like he, they declined his fifth year option and they brought him back on a one year deal. If he mm -hmm. had left, I think you should be eligible to get the compensatory pick then, but you shouldn't if you decline the fifth year option because by your own admission, you're saying that this player kind of sticks. They did. The NFL did get rid of like a couple of years ago, the option thing. I think, I, I think it used to be, if I'm not mistaken, you could decline not just the fifth year option, not like just other options, option, other right. like contract. And, uh, but then I changed that, I believe, but I, I think it's still in place with the, I think, I think the spirit of what I'm saying makes sense though, because why should the commanders in this case be allowed to reap a potential benefit of chase young playing while and leaving and getting paid when they're saying right now, we don't believe in him. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Look at me. Hit me up, competition committee. I'll make your lives easier. Um, I would offer my last one. You have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Like you, yeah. like you have one of the best receiver pairs in the NFL. Like that is something that should be said. Um, so maybe, and you know, you have Brian Robinson. Like you know, like you, you, like you kind of, you know, I wouldn't say stumbled, but like you discovered one of the better young running backs in the NFL, and his story is obviously uh, incredible with his recovery. I mean. So there, there is stuff to work with here. You know what I mean? Like you just, you got to find your artist. I don't know who that is. Maybe it is Eric Bieniemy. They need the catalyst, I believe, which is you know the quarterback should be at least. I think on your Dotson McLaurin point, I don't know, and we'll we'll get into this with our you know NFC all NFC East offense team specifically Ooh. with the wide receivers. I don't think they're the best pair in the division, but I think going into any game against the divisional teams and other teams with really good wide receivers. I think it's very possible that like Dotson and McLaurin could end that game as the, like the top two receivers in that game. Like they were the top two guys on that given day. I agree. And I, but I think part of the reason why they're not the best in the division is because the division has two other really talented pairs. You know what I'm saying? It's um, tough. It's a, it's a very right. tough, like there's so, really like, good receivers in this division. Would, would Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson be the best receiver duo in the NFC North? Um, I don't really know the maybe not, no, well, well, Justin Jefferson no. exists, so obviously not. But yeah. the NFC South, maybe. Who are you looking at there? Um, the Falcons. May, oh, no. Tampa, like T Tampa, still exists, and Tampa still, you know, whatever. Tampa have? Well, Mike, Mike Evans, Evans and Chris Godwin. That's what I'm saying. Like, it depends how you feel about them now. Um, but you know, they'd be closer at least. Would they be the best? Uh, not the AFC East because of Miami. Um, and are we going quarterback agnostic here too? Are we factoring in like their production relative? To no, like you're saying, if you can swap them out, like that's the, yeah. your, that's the game. Um, definitely not the AFC North. Maybe the AFC South. I mean, definitely the AFC South. Like you know what I mean? Like I know people are yeah. are are bullish on Jacksonville, but like I think we all want to see Calvin Ridley a little bit. You know what I mean? Before we like really yeah. crown them. Yeah, I mean he has um, to reprove himself after being and, out for a year. And even the AFC West. Yeah, like if you could make an argument that on any team they'd be the best receiver duo in the AFC West. Like Kansas City doesn't have like a super intimidating duo because Patrick Mahomes exists. I'm, you know, it depends how you feel about the Chargers, but like Keenan Allen, I don't know that anybody really is like super high on anymore. Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, like whatever. Um, and the Raiders, like you know, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, maybe you think they're better like as a duo and. Again, Denver has a lot to prove in a lot of ways. I think they might I, be the best in the AFC West. I know I already mentioned the Snyder thing, but I guess another part of that I should have mentioned is kind of like I talked about the Giants. Commanders can now believe, like, oh, now we can be good again. Not necessarily be amazing this year, but, like, Snyder's gone, so it's like a fresh slate, and maybe, I don't know if this is real, but players could be, like, more motivated. There's more on the line in the sense, like, you're trying to impress the new ownership. You want to be part of this new core of a team. Um, you feel like there is hope. Uh the, the 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 crowd could be better than it's been in a long time. Stadium is still not good, but the the crowd could feel like fans could be. I'm sure there's a number of fans who swore off the team with Dan Snyder and like I'm not going to that stadium until he's not the owner anymore. And I think you'll get. I bet you, I bet you there's a crowd increase this year. I don't know it's to the point that it's, you know like the most fearsome play in the NFL, but I bet you it's a better crowd than it's been in a bit. So that's another thing too. 
I would also offer last thing, like you're like I'm back to my first year point. Like it's no longer the first everything is the commanders. And I know that there's some like question about that, but like for now at least, you know what I mean? Well, like for now, because it, it might change again. Like, for now, they should change it again. Get rid of the come on. I think well, if you're like we, I said this you know recently here, but like I think Josh Harris, if he's paying what six billion dollars, should be allowed to name the team. What he yeah, why does he? Yeah, why does he? Unless he just loves that name. Yeah, why would he keep? Yeah, it? like I like if like in this particularly unique situation, he should be allowed to name it what he wants. So sure. Um, what if he named it the Sixers? Would you be bothered? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why? It's the nation's capital, like seventeen seventy six. Not how that works. I mean, it's a, it's, it's no, not. It's it didn't not happen the there, thing. but like, it's yeah, a. It's, exactly. I know. It's I know it didn't happen there, but like, it's an equally, you know, significant thing, like relative to the country. Like, what is the equally... best name? If, if we have to pick a name that we want, what do we want it to be? For the Washington team? Yeah, I think they should have went with Red Wolves. Red Wolves would be cool. I would feel less dumb saying Red Wolves than I feel saying Commanders. Or just you the Wolves. I mean? Why not just the Wolves? I'm fine with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I also... That's almost too cool. I almost don't want them to do that because of how good that would be for them. But I, I liked I liked the Red Wolves idea because you, they could include the the logo with the R. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. if you can have some, you know, connection to the or history Maybe they the need team. a distance from that, though, I think is the thing. I mean, get I get that. Get like, and I get they cut the colors, but, like, this isn't, like, the Jaguars or the Panthers. Like, there is a, a storied football history here that, you know, like, the that the name Commanders doesn't really acknowledge or whatever. What about the I know Wolverines? People liked... The Washington Wolverines. Super fan of that as well. I mean, miss me. I know there's people that are like, I liked the football team. No, it was dumb. I didn't. That was did not like that whatsoever so um yeah the washington mixtapes about that no why i mean we have to root for them that would be great seo for us <laughs> so uh yeah but then yeah. Uh, i don't i don't know what that means for us at that point um okay last thing and then we'll get out of here ian rapaport just tweeted deandre hopkins has hired kelton crenshaw of clutch sports to represent him in free agency okay uh, it's not that sketchy guy anymore um he also represents chase young Kayvon thibodeau and Devonte smith so a lot there's a big nfc east flair there yeah i don't think the eagles are signing him by the way because um, uh there's I, just not enough targets to go around for everyone to be happy including him the, the cowboys are the favorite depending on what sports book you look at and not that that really matters or means I anything think for the same but... reason they are also not going to sign him I mean, it's not Madden. It's not fans. Like guys I, have egos I, and they I want their targets it. and they're not going to be happy. Do you know how many targets per game Devon, uh, DeAndre Hopkins averages over his career? Per game, I would put the over under at like seven and a half. And it's I would like take 9.7. Yeah. So he's going to have to take like, a ridiculously like lighter workload if he signs with the Eagles. But he might, what, he might have a, what's his career high in touchdowns? I'm going to guess it's like 13. Know. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, but it's it's about targets. It's about volume. It's about putting up numbers because that's how you get. Paid it's holy NFL. crap! It's thirteen. Um, shout out to me. Uh, but I mean, I think it's not happening. We'll see. Uh, unless then, unless I'm wrong, and he just like is willing to take a lesser role, which I think is not really what's going on here. But unless I'm wrong about that, it's not happening. For either team, to be clear, I'm not like trying to say, oh, it's not only happening for the Cowboys. It's not happening. If he signs with the Cowboys Cowboys. or Eagles, and like I know people would make this argument about either Giants should sign him. Well, if he signs with the Cowboys or Eagles, and I know people would make this argument to different extents about either team, but if he signs with one of those teams, that's that's the Super Bowl favorite on the NFC side, like without a doubt. Like you know, what I'm saying like like, to be clear, yeah, I'm not saying they shouldn't in terms of like that'd be awesome, like (laughs) in a ridiculously stacked lineup for either side, but like I just don't see it realistically happening because he has a preference too i'm telling you he's one gonna want to go somewhere where he's gonna get like big time targets and it's not gonna be in philly or dallas it's gonna be something like super random it's gonna just feel boring like the i don't know like the cardinals the cardinals were that team like i remember vividly recording with pete and then jj watt tweeted out the photo of himself working out with the cardinal shirt and we were like the cardinals like it was so like flat and boring and whatever how about Jimmy Kemsky talked about this on the NFC's mixtape. How about the car? Like a lot of people. We are the like, NFC's mixtape. Jimmy Zach, Kemsky's never been on the NFC's right, mixtape. BGN Radio. Um, That's a sore <clears> subject for a lot of people that he's never been on the NFC's mixtape. I know. Well, it'll happen. Uh, Zach Ertz like wanted to go to the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Or at least wanted out of Philly. And now he, he and at the time it was an upgrade, but now it's looking like a big well, time downgrade. Isn't his wife from there? Like from the area? Like, and 
You know what I mean? Like there's there's some like non-football reasons for, for him that I like think she's from the West Coast, but still, like, you know what I mean? But part yeah, but part of the reason he wanted to get traded is because the Eagles were perceived to be in this teardown mode and he wanted to go somewhere to win. And now he is looking at maybe the worst team in the NFL. Mm, Zach and Jonathan Gannon. Zach Kurtzell, he definitely dropped that touchdown, but um, RJ, anyway. no, he didn't. That's <laughs> like I, I, I called that in the moment. I was like, he took three steps, so it doesn't even matter. And also, he recaught the ball in the end. Zone. It was look, it was a touchdown, but I remember like vividly thinking he took like three steps. I, I know. Look, to be clear, it was a touchdown, but my thought in the moment was like, I hate that. Like this is like a thought that I have. You know what I'm saying? That like like this is not, that this isn't like plain as day obvious. Like I hate that. But anyway, I was never worried. I was like, that's a, like, I, I saw it live. I saw I said he had three steps into the uh, Ryan Van Bibber. Shout out to former SB Nation uh, writer uh, who was sitting next to me at the time. And I was like, that's definitely a touchdown. Anyway, what was, what was your question? So we can get out of here. RJ, uh, I want to hear three songs people should listen to. Mm. Uh, I was also thinking potentially if you don't have three, you could do one. I could do one. And then maybe Rachelle can throw one at the end. Oh, I like that. Like okay. Can, so Rachelle, if you're listening to this, you can throw that in at the end with your your because she's not here for, for the listeners she okay so it in in post on the in the spirit of that um rachel uh i can't tell you everything because you're not a part of monday football monday so we have like our own special jokes uh but part of it involves the spice girls jeremy reisman knows what i'm talking about um and rachel has a connection to the spice girls so i'm gonna go with stop by the spice girls that's my answer i'm gonna say reptilia by the strokes oh great like like beginning that's a great call <laughs> Wow, what do we think? I can't, we can't guess, Rachelle. It's impossible. I can't guess. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to like lead. You know, lead her a certain way either. Okay. Anything Rachelle wants to pick, and uh, it is your homework, listeners, to listen to all those and give your feedback in the order Twitter. that we in the order that we went to in the so order. Stop, um, and Reptilia, and then Rachelle song TBD, and use hashtag songs. No, you can't pick something so generic because then it gets lost in the shuffle. You <laughs> hashtag do... mixtape songs. There you go. Hashtag actually, mixtape. that's probably that's not, really, that's not that's good really either, generic. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag uh, mixtape listen along. And um, maybe if you really want to like get in the vibe of what everything this show is, make an actual mixtape with wow. the songs. That's great. I mean, that's really you're asking. How about to make a playlist on your phone? Maybe no. Why not? I want a mixtape. We that's like mixtape. Or I mean, yeah, that's certainly like the A plus above and beyond. Did we name maybe, this this podcast the playlist? No. Yeah, that maybe would be the, the NFC East playlist. That would sound so stupid. Oh my yeah, gosh! Come on, I can't that's not. It's that. not practical. We uh, should build an NFC East mixtape playlist. Hmm. Well, these would be the first three songs on it, obviously. Right. Which, right. ironically, the first one is called Stop even though the goal is to go through all of them. So let's just say one final word. One final word. What's up, everyone? Rachel Prevet here, and my song selection is Ain't It Fun by Paramore. Okay, bye.